0: You know, Roy Hodgson.
1: Roy Roy, Roy, uh, Roy Hodgson.
0: Roy Hodgson is three months older than the Bernabeu.
2: Football Beef! Disclaimer The following is an opinion based podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Football Beef. It's the first Premier League monthly recap of the season. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm joined by all three beefy boys as a result, because we need to get this season started right. So that means joining me to discuss the Premier League is Daniel the Devil Jones.
0: Good morning, good afternoon or good evening. And why am I a beefy boy? That sounds weird.
1: Okie dokie. We're also joined by John the Geordie Messiah Squires.
3: I'm not on board with this beefy boy thing either, but hello, everyone. Greetings.
1: Finally, we're joined by Tommy the Professor of Football Manager, Pittman.
4: I am a beefy beanie boy, so please use my full title based on my dinner: beefy beanie boy,
3: the professor Ex- of beefy beanies.
4: Exactly.
1: I feel like that's some merch waiting to happen when we become big and famous. It's like just a, a big like slab of, of
3: slab of meat on a beanie.
1: Lady Gaga uh, I, wore meat. Why I, can't I? I was going to
4: say like a foot a football top, football kit, uh, but then like rather than like a player name on the back, it's beefy beanie boy.
1: Yeah. Like anyway, <laughs> anyway. To explain what happens here, we're just going to recap and talk about the talking points from the Premier League in the last month, so about four games in now, see which teams are doing better than we thought, which teams are doing worse, discuss, debate, and then we'll send you on your way with some hopefully talking points that will live rent-free in your head. Daniel, I'm going to kickstart with you because you always like to talk about the top of the table because you like to think the Man United are in this sort of conversation, but we're going to talk about the top of the table, which means we're going to talk about Man City straight off. Any thoughts on Man City in?
0: Absolutely. Last season's treble winners. They've already got some silverware in the bag this season with the uh, Super Cup. Four out of four wins, 11 goals scored. They've only shipped in two so far, which is very impressive. But I think there's a lot more for City fans to be excited with, certainly with the uh, new transfers they've got in as well.
1: Does anyone think it's going to be a little bit of a really boring season already? just Is it really like, look at Man City, go!
3: Yeah, I don't really think that any of the other teams look as impressive obviously we've sort of not started very well and you haven't started very well Chelsea haven't started Liverpool and Arsenal that you know that they're up there but they don't seem like anyone's going to touch Man City they just seem so good and bear in mind they've lost a couple of players obviously I know they've signed a few as well but they've lost sort of a midfield with De Bruyne being out and um, Gundogan going to Barcelona but they just still look a very well-oiled machine.
1: I mean, you concur with this. I mean, you're someone who pointed out last season, even when Arsenal were sort of leading, that you believe you can't afford to drop any points when you're going in a title race against Man City. And... They are, I
4: say, the best team probably in, in the world at the moment. Like, Especially last season when they had like, the freak of nature built in a lab. Erling Haaland. like... I reckon it will look close until probably getting into Christmas... Like one of the bigger teams will beat them, somebody low down will grab a point against them and it will be like, oh, oh, they're slipping up. And then they'll just run away with it and it will just be very boring watching them just win easily most of the time. I feel like everybody else is probably yeah, just not, not quite good enough in either at the point where they're rebuilding to get better again or in their process, just not quite there to win it.
1: Does anyone think Man City might win it in more style this season then? Or is that, do you think it will be the same, like Tommy said, do the same, sort of go through the motions of teasing like that it might be title. a race?
4: You mean like a proper title race? A proper race
1: gap. Or? A proper, like, do you think Man City no. would just leave a little bit dead sooner? Because, I mean, you're predicting the, the, the run of the mill, sort of lose to another big team, drop a point. Like, it's kind of the Man City way when they're winning the title. I,
4: I reckon it's, it'll probably be like at least 9 to 12 points, if not more. So I reckon they'll probably easily break 90 points again. And then... I feel like everybody else is kind of too flawed to get into the 90s. So,
1: Well, something a bit more. Should we talk about the fact that who is second? Because I don't think none of us really had them doing this well to begin with. Daniel <laughs> Tottenham?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're sitting second at the moment. Has Ball transformed Spurs into this year's Vibes FC? Obviously, last year, it was very much Newcastle. It was Newcastle last year. That is correct. The Vibes and, have gone. <laughs> the Vibes have no, well, died! I think they've shifted south just a bit. Tottenham are doing pretty damn well at the moment. They can make their best start to a league season in 57 years if they beat Sheffield United on Saturday afternoon as of recording. It's weird, I'll admit it. I kind of... I lost sight of it being the first day. Obviously, Spurs away to Brentford despite having most of the ball, watching Spurs take the lead and then losing within 25 minutes felt very Spursy. Obviously, they, they came back to draw it, but it was that kind of, they went 2-1 tw- down within 25 minutes. And then since then, they've won through on the bounce. Looks pretty convincing doing it. I think Spurs have, could be on a bit of a roll this year, weirdly enough.
1: Does anyone think it the vibes won't continue that long because of the way they play so open? Because I feel like that's something we've got to talk about with Spurs, I still think. They play attacking football and it's exciting but it does seem a little bit more
3: I feel the Weakness Spurs will kind of just to like continue on the vibes comparison I think Spurs will kind of do what Newcastle did sort of after after the World Cup last season so after the Christmas break and that teams will kind of find out find them out a little bit how they play because you don't really know how like Ange Ball was going to play until you actually sort of see it in action, if you know what I mean. Like opposition teams can scout Tottenham all they want, but Tottenham were shit last season. So there's no point in scouting what they did last season because they're never going to play like that. So you don't really know what to expect from them obviously you, even you could them look
1: in preseason at the even could you really because they not, relied not on really. Kane because yeah, Kane that's the was thing. still a big focal point of their preseason. And
3: I, and I think that's where teams have kind of sort of come up the thought oh well we've got no, there's no Harry Kane we don't really know what to do to stop Spurs because we don't know how Spurs are going to play and I think sort of when it gets towards Christmas time, I think teams will work out how to how to suss them out a little bit. I mean, I still think they'll be up there because of the early season form, a bit like Newcastle last season. Um, but I can't see it continuing as if like for a title challenge sort of thing.
1: me Champions League?
4: Who knows? For four games into the season, I feel like there will be Man City and three other teams. Probably, but what, fifth might be good enough this year? Hope so. They could probably finish fifth, I feel like. No. I think, I think I agree that when the season starts getting going a bit more, not necessarily that teams will find them out. I think that there will just be matches where, like, the fine margins don't go their way. Or like, well, they don't like, score the Manny two or United three goals. Like, yeah, like Man had a penalty, or Bruno Fernandes has scored his easy header from, like, six yards out. They might, they might still have won it, but obviously it's a very different game and, you know, I feel like things like that will happen. They'll they'll ship a few more goals. I don't think that will particularly dent the vibes too much because it feels very much like they're, or the fans at least, are like, were actually playing football, which is nice to see rather than, you know, just be really dodgy and defensive and the manager actually wants to be there and wants to play attacking football. So I think they'll still enjoy themselves. They might, I don't see why they can't. You know, finishing fourth, fifth, or maybe more likely the European places, sixth, something like that. But yeah, feel like obviously they've done well so far. Other than Man United, they've not played any of the big, big in inverted commas teams. Obviously, Brentford away is a difficult match. So I think when they start having more difficult games, we you know when they have to play Arsenal and they're away at Liverpool and things like that and obviously Man City away at Newcastle probably as well a tricky one I think that's when we'll
0: start to get a better idea of where they will be come the end of the season
1: Is anyone surprised that they seem to be doing okay without Harry Kane?
0: Well I was going to say I think you have to be surprised that they're not they're doing as well as they are without Harry Kane obviously he was the kind of heartbeat of the team as we spoke about in previous episodes you know we would be remiss if we said when we are not surprised because we all spoke about what massive effects it would have on Tottenham, I don't think anyone predicted that we would be sitting here four games into the season talk about them being second. So I think it's the loss of Harry Kane and how they've kind of unified and adapted to what they're working with now. Not everything has to go through one person. And it doesn't look like, from what I've seen already, their forward line isn't dropping as deep, being Harry Kane, isn't dropping as deep. And they seem to be playing a little bit more progressive a bit higher attack in football, uh, which is obviously what Ange is trying to push. And I think that's why we're seeing them reap the benefits. Again, firm believer as well. If you, you know, to win a game, you're going to have to kind of jump in the opposition's face. And that's what it's looked like Tottenham have been doing this season. I've, I think I've pretty much watched every game of theirs, I think. And there's not been a game where I've thought they look a bit flat. They've looked pretty damn impressive all, all four games so far. I can't see it really ending just yet.
3: I think we spoke about in the in the preview before the season that we thought Tottenham would probably struggle without Kane so it is it is quite surprising to see how how well they are playing but Kind of like what I said earlier, I think it's because teams don't really know how to play against a team without Harry Kane, because you know, you sort of knew when you were playing a team with Harry Kane, he was your focal point of that team, and you kind of knew most of the player was going to go through him because he dropped deep or he was on the end of something to finish it. But now it just seems that the goals seem to come from everywhere, to be fair. I think there's been goals across the whole sort of three different positions, hasn't there? Just need the keeper to pop up and score a goal now and you've got it all.
1: They've spread them out, which yeah. is whether it can last is... The yeah. question but obviously son looking good
3: yeah son Sun seems to be a completely different player to to what he was last season already just with some of the run the runs he's been making but i think with kane gone and him being captain he's kind of like right i'm the main man now and maybe he's stepped up a little bit
1: them seem to have a lot of main man syndrome because that's probably how i'd describe madison i think he's loving i know there's that quote about him you know loving to be the main oh, man oh, or whatever
4: big man at the roast dinner
1: Yeah, the big man on and off the pitch sort of vibe that he's enjoying. But that does seem to be the case, that all of them seem to be like there's an opening to be the face of this club. They all kind of want to be it. But yeah, should we move on to a team that are on the same points as Tottenham? But maybe it's not as like, yay, let's all sing the praises and talk about Tommy's beloved Liverpool.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to enjoy football again and feel like <laughs> the the team like reflects what it is meant to be like. I think the 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 midfield I think is the main difference now that we've actually got it feels like proper energy and then I would also say like a bit more quality going forward now as well i think yeah i feel like i've got a reason to be optimistic which you know i felt before the season started last year so maybe i'm jumping the gun a little bit i know there's going to be bumps in the road i don't expect us to win the league this season but i think it will be more enjoyable dominic's lies is he's, he's fantastic already after four matches i'm like yes you are great. Keep keep being you.
1: Quite a nice, healthy message. I mean, Squiggy your beloved Newcastle sort of felt the wrath of New uh, of Liverpool. So, do you think they're a bit of a different force this year compared to last year? Already, you get different vibes from them. I
3: wouldn't. I wouldn't say felt the wrath. Let's be honest. But from you what I've Nunez,
1: seen, you felt new. From, from what
3: I've seen but... from Liverpool this year, that that midfield is a a big improvement from last year you know there was times last year where the midfield just basically was non-existent and it got bypassed but it looks a lot it looks a lot better now a lot more balanced as well I think which kind of lets the, the front three do their do their job a little bit more I still think there's some concerns around back for a little bit but I think the rest of the, the team sort of from a midfield and going forward standpoint are in a lot better shape than last year
1: Daniel Liverpool's defence well
0: it's an interesting one because I definitely agree with points that Tommy made um, I think it's quite a Mature and sensible thing to look at. There will be bumps in the road. And I also do agree that I don't think Liverpool are going to win the title this season. I'll just touch on your F- defence in a moment. But I, d- I think, as predicted, it looks like Liverpool are back. The opening game against Chelsea, watching it, I felt that Liverpool should have had the win. Personally, I, like Salah really, really impressed me again done everything but score but he did feed through Luis Diaz I believe scored in See. the Chelsea game uh, uh, that game I think it's fair to say they cancelled each other out opening game of the season is going to happen speaking on the defence I kind of worried about the defence given that so far, Liverpool have had two red cards. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk against Newcastle, and that's been extended by another game because of the actions after the initial foul. Yeah,
1: very aggressive towards a referee. I mean, why would that be punished, you know? <laughs> Carry I on. I mean,
0: it was different, obviously, to what Mitro. But anyway, moving on. I know uh, who and I'd then, be
1: more scared of. <laughs> and
0: saying. then yeah, McAll- McAllister obviously got a red card as well. I just I thought they were going to be a bigger challenge for them to overcome than they actually were. But nine goals in the bag already. And they've only conceded three, which is the second lowest in the league, if I'm not mistaken. They've got a comfortable enough run in the next few weeks. I think they're going to hold ground quite well. One thing that I think we do need to pay massive attention towards is credit to Jurgen Klopp. Especially this summer, managed to keep Salah by the skin of his teeth. I, I thought Salah was going over to the Saudi league. I don't know how you managed to keep him. Maybe he will in January or not, but at the moment he still kept him and Salah is still doing what Salah does. But the main thing is he stopped that midfield with the problems that they had and they've not really spent a fortune in doing it. Tommy said about Zobislai, just an absolute phenomenal player. Looks like a real breath of fresh air. McAllister at £35 million after the World Cup. There was a lot of clubs talking about McAllister, quite interested in him. Liverpool got their man. And then they've signed another two that have kind of gone a little bit unnoticed. Obviously, Brian Gravenbirch. he's made some headway, I think mostly because of the, um, the clip that was going around from Andy Robertson welcoming him to the club, which was quite funny, saying finally a decent Dutch player. And another player in Wataru Endo. I'm a huge fan of Endo. He's come over from Stuttgart. Low fee at 17 million pounds. I love the fan theory that goes with it as well that Klopp signed him because he's never won the league without a Japanese player in the squad. He just oh. needs to win the league.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the fan theory that I saw someone say they thought Klopp had a conspiracy that thought he was younger because he lied about his age previously to him or some story there was. So they thought he was No, 20. no, no, no. But it's I saw just... that fan theory and I was like, I hope that's true. That'd be. Fucking hilarious His cops. Like, just, he told me his age. I don't care what you said at the end of
4: the season. He's like, the, the, the meme of Jurgen Kopp with the mouth open. The fuck,
1: <laughs> yeah, like, dude, you're still you're only 26. Like, what 24. the fuck, yeah. I
0: mean, Endo's not gonna really be pulling up any trees, but he's a good, steady hand. And I think, obviously, when you look at the players that they've uh kind of let go in Fabinho, Henderson, uh, Fabinho, right, plays in a higher, higher attacking line, Kater. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Milner. Yeah, so they, they've got rid of a lot of dead wood, a lot of players that are not going to win you a league again. And they've signed it with young, aggressive, hungry players who've got a lot of pace about them as well. And I think just touching back on the defence, that's going to help their defence as well. So... Obviously, the second line of defence is the midfield. So I think um, I think Liverpool's defence will be absolutely fine, to be fair, based on that midfield as well. A lot of deep-lying players as well. So I'd I uh, I'd be quite optimistic if I was a Liverpool fan.
1: You know who else is going to feel optimistic? And we're going to touch on them next, just because we're not going to go through the whole table, but there is a few, few things to deal with who's currently sitting in fourth. Because if you looked at their fixtures at the start of the season, I don't think people would have put them to have 10 points as well in West Ham, seeing as they played Brighton and Chelsea in their opening four games. Which you would have said are too tough, especially because Brighton was away and Chelsea. You know, we didn't think they'd do as bad as last season. But West Ham, positive, maybe just an off season last year because they got distracted by a certain European tour.
0: I think right. So
1: you just uh, you uh, just saying that they've four games and it's deceptive. What are you? Going well, with?
0: yeah, because I mean, like again, on the face of it, yeah. Like Spurs lost their heart in Kane. West Ham lost Rice in the summer. Would you even be able to tell? But. On paper, it looks great. It looks like a great start to the season. Three wins and a draw. Any team are going to take that. But I've got massive concerns for West Ham. And if I was a fan, I would be worried too. Their opening game against Bournemouth, I think they were lucky to come away with a point, to be fair. Two-thirds of the passes Bournemouth made. Considerably lower passing accuracy as well. I think they had uh, 37% possession. More fouls, all the other things you don't want your team doing. Very much the same story at Chelsea, despite playing with 10 men for the final 30 minutes, coming away with a 3-1 win. Same again to Brighton, and they were the second best team on the pitch. They got another 3-1 win. And then facing Luton, you know, you, they had a bit more possession, etc. But it was Luton. It's kind of what you expect. I think if you're West Ham and you're not setting a tempo or dictating games, relying on the smashing grabs that they are doing at the moment, I think it's to be a very, very, very long season for you. You're trying to
1: convince into- me West Ham are vibes.
0: No, West Ham aren't vibes. Lucky vibes,
1: like as in like they're just getting... Yeah,
0: West Ham are riding this by the literally skin of their teeth. I don't know how they're doing this, but they're getting these little smashing grabs and they don't have enough skill in their squad to ride them out of this. They didn't sign the striker that I said they needed to. I think West Ham, literally, look at the next five games. They've got City, Liverpool, Sheffield, Newcastle, Villa... That's five games they could easily lose there. So we could be sitting here by Christmas and they're mid lower table. I'm not convinced West Ham are all that good at the moment.
1: I mean, mean, considering, do you feel the same?
0: I can't, I I can't feel like everything that you've
4: just said about West Ham is just how David Moyes wants his teams to play.
1: Moyes likes a smash and grab.
4: Or like, has he ever really been a a coach to be like, yes, we're going to go out there, we're going to dominate the ball, we're going to control the game we're going to do this it, it normally is quite reactionary football which in some matches will suit them fine away at brighton being able to hit them in transition against the big teams the bigger teams from the top like who will be wanting to control their game like they will probably be wanting them a little bit more than matches where they're expected to control the game like I don't expect them. I, I think it would be surprising if they finished in the European places this season. Again, just because I think everybody else has gotten better. I like, think when they got into the Europa League originally, and then it was like the Conference League, it was because there was like at least one of like the big teams who wasn't very good that season. Like I think that'll probably be the case again this year. Or no, it won't be the case, So that they would need that to happen. I don't think that will happen. But I, th- I think they'll be fine. I think unless they change manager... At some point, mid-season, end of season, whatever it is, I don't think they're going to change the profile of the squad and bring in a different type of striker because they had that with Skamaka last year and it didn't work because he was being asked to play Moyes football and be the striker that David Moyes needs, which wasn't what he wanted to do. Obviously, if Antonio gets injured, then they are very light up front and I don't think Antonio will do it as regularly as he did maybe three, four years ago, but yeah, they'll, they'll probably be fine. think i agree that you know four games isn't enough to draw like massive conclusions to be like yes they're going to be challenging for europe so probably a bit early for me to write them off as well but i just feel like they're probably not as good as maybe the results have suggested and there will be should form for them like there is for every team pretty much apart from man city where they go (laughs) four or five games without a win and they'll drop down the table but they'll Completely be in mid table, at least, I think.
1: Squiggy, I mean, West Ham sort of like the team trying to break out into top six and stuff, not, you know, one of the regular ones normally. So, sort of putting them in the same boat as Newcastle in my head. Do you look at West Ham and see them as a threat to sort of Newcastle? Or, you know, with these two that you see their weaknesses? Because it is like there is a lot of reliance on Bowen.
3: See, their weaknesses, I don't, I don't kind of agree with Daniel about being worried as a West Ham fan and more along with what Tommy said where it's it's Moyes ball it's how they play football like they set up a certain way against Brighton and I know Brighton might have had more possession probably a few more chances they might have got a bit lucky but they set up to play a certain way and it worked and you've, you've got to have luck in football you know you could point to Newcastle against Liverpool this season as well there's a few you know Allison saves when it hits the post different game if they don't go in if they do go in, sorry. You know, so you you need a bit of luck to get results, and West Ham play a certain way, and it fits it fits their style. It fits the players fit and like Tommy said if Antonio gets injured it might change it a little bit but it, it just works for them and it works to a certain extent where you know they'll, they'll they will go on a run where they win a few games but they'll also lose a few games and I don't see them as a, a consistent team I see them sort of like a, a team that could go on a run where they end up in the top six but then four weeks later they're back in the bottom half of the table because they've had a poor run of form that's what I think of when I when I think of West Ham at the minute
0: not to like bring the beef into it but
1: Bring the beef, fry that beef up, cook it, put it on the stove. I
0: don't know if you guys are deluded or not, but do you remember at the end of last season when we were talking about West Ham being in a relegation battle and they were so close to relegation? It was in the last five games. They managed to scrape two wins. And they end up surviving by six points. That was but, the same football we're talking about now—the the Moyes ball.
1: But have a, um, midfield completely lost... changed now? Because they've got—they've got like their midfield is like completely new look. I know they've they lost Rice, and I love Rice.
4: So check every match.
0: <laughs> and no, but that's the point. You know, they signed the two players that left Ajax that Ten Hag hadn't raided in Kudos and Alvarez. James ward seems to be slotting in quite well, grabbing a goal so far, got a few assists. If you think that that's enough for them to be comfortable or make us sit up and think, oh, wow, well, they're I actually doing something, then you're deluded.
4: I just think there's four or five teams who like, just objectively are worse than them.
0: I agree with that, but then even if there are four or five teams that are objectively worse than West Ham, we're still going to be talking about West Ham in a relegation battle.
4: I mean, there are four or five teams who are objectively worse than them. I think there are a lot of other teams who won't who don't have maybe the without willing to overly praise David Moyes, like the manager who can kind of wily, yeah, like like navigate that a little bit and see them into that mid-table place. Like, I think the three promoted teams, obviously, Everton, Forest potentially below them, Wolves, Bournemouth, probably Fulham, no offence, Laura.
1: None like, taken.
4: And I think at that point, like you're you're a couple of wins away then from the difference between, oh, we finished ninth and, oh, we finished twelfth. And um, they'll probably have enough about them to get those wins, I think. I just don't think it's that. They're not that. I, like, again, I, I think don't... as...
3: I think as well, they're already a quarter of the way to the points that so you need to stay up generally. They're already a quarter of the way to that magical 40 point mark. And I can't remember what the points that got you relegated last season were. Was it
1: 34? Leicester ended 34, in 34 points. Yeah. 36 so, is what Evans So you're, you're on.
3: saying that West Ham was going to struggle to get like 27 points from the next 34 games?
0: No, I'm saying that West Ham haven't done enough, and nor do I think they have the pulling power to get in what they need to do enough to finish anything higher than 10th. I think 10th would be a trophy for them.
3: Yeah, and that's that's what we've kind of said. You're the one that says that we're deluded if you think West Ham are going to have a good season. And I think compared to being, you know, surviving on the last couple of weeks of the season, 10th is a 10th is a successful season for West Ham. Next year for-
0: for a team that won a European trophy last for, year, for a team Europe, that you
3: know, won, a, won a European trophy while being yeah. in a relegation battle, they won.
0: I, they
4: won the Conference League. Any English side that is in the Conference League they should kind the Card- I, Card- I mean, yeah. well, of the league and of those teams.
0: They but that was be. the point I was trying to make. Yeah. The Liverpool, uh, sorry, Man, West Ham is sitting fourth at the moment, and it just it's smash and grab football. It, and it,
3: just... it might, it might yeah. be a false position, but they're not gonna but I don't think you could probably turn around and go they're in a relegation battle again this season because you know like like I've said they're already a quarter of the way to that magical 40 point mark it it might change when the European football kicks in when they start having to play Thursday nights but I don't know I, I can't see them being anywhere near that bottom sort of four five places and again like we said I think 10th 10th 11th and they've probably had a good season if they have a decent run in maybe one of the cup competitions as well I think that's good and then you could probably look to build on that for next season maybe maybe get rid of and go yeah. for a more progressive manager. I
1: think. I also I think... don't think there's anything wrong with smash and grab either. Just no, the there, there isn't. The I think
4: it's 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 risky because you run the risk of getting Being on the wrong grabbed. side again of those fine margins. That Chelsea don't miss that penalty. West Ham probably lose that game. You know, you're not gonna win every match that you have. Thirty percent possession and everybody yeah, on the counter attack, but you'll probably win enough and draw enough games. And I think that's all they'll need to do really. They won't, I don't think they'll continue at the pace they have done because of how they've got those victories, but they'll easily get enough wins and
0: draws to be away from relegation,
4: I think. Maybe I'll be proven wrong.
0: see them relegated because they are kind of a, a league stalwart, you know, it's like one of those clubs you want to see in the Premier League, but I just...
4: Without sounding without, without two old man shouts at clouds, West Ham are a team that I always associate with being in the Premier League. Well, exactly. I've the yeah. seen them yeah. relegated a couple like, of times
1: in your lifetime. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They
4: only got promoted in like 2004. How did that happen? That's not true. You're lying to me, like I think, mm, I don't believe this.
0: Mm, we shall see.
1: Then we move on to the. Final team that are on 10 points, because obviously title contenders last season, surprisingly, I'm saying it, surprisingly title contenders, because no one took them seriously at the start of last season, because no one takes their manager seriously. But Arsenal, 10 points, but already dropped that 100% record, which I probably thought they figured they'd be holding on to a lot longer.
4: Did you say people don't take the, the manager seriously? He gave Declan Weiss a name badge to say he was new.
1: I know you know what it, I don't know why I d- think genius. people Top he also draw a heart on a management. board didn't he in his Amazon oh god but yeah people don't take Arteta seriously and I stand by this and you know it's true I've, but, uh,
3: I've got my thoughts on Arteta as well I, was gonna, I don't like I don't like him
1: anyway I was gonna say are we surprised that Arsenal have already sort of dropped points
4: Oh. Uh, pr- probably more in the manner that it came about them dropping points to the to the mighty fulham obviously them
0: being with damned. 10 men 10 men, with ten yeah. men?
1: i think that's a more
0: surprising point that's yeah, literally why that's literally why laura said she doesn't mind a smash and grab
1: yeah no i don't if i'm i i'm a fulham fan i don't mind a smash. And grab. i'm i'm gonna be honest all the xg experts that are like fulham should be bottom they should have been bottom last year how's that going for you xg guys just saying
4: yeah, yeah, you fucking nerds
1: yeah <laughs> Fuck him. Fuck these football nerds. Anyway, uh, Arsenal, I'm just trying to focus back away from Fulham because I do not want to talk about them. But Arsenal...
4: I think it's a a little bit like how they have set up this season. I I got to watch them against Palace and it, it looked a bit weird. And it feels like Arteta's been cutting off his nose to spite his face a little bit with setting up at the back four. Like I know, obviously Timber gets injured first game of the season, and Zinchenko had been out. But like, kind of shoehorning Havertz in, and <laughs> uh, no, to his to his back four. No, team in general. I, I mean, he might, he, he, might
3: he might do a better job there because he yeah. can head a ball.
1: Away from from goal.
4: But left back. Come on, come on, bit of big Mick Arteta get on it. And yeah, I think it's been more of that. Like I think it was at the end of last season, they kind of petered out a bit. I don't know if it's a bit of that coming in. I think it's more sort of like warming up into the season. And again, like I said, I think a lot of it is that kind of setup that they've had. Last season their success was when they had the same team. Every week they knew what they were doing. They were really good. And then this start of the season, it's not been the same team. A couple of players moved on, like Xhaka and Havertz, in to replace them. The back four being weirdly set up with Party at Right back, but I
3: feel like when you said about Arteta cutting his nose off the spider's face, I feel like he's seen Epp play that inverted right back and he's seen Liverpool do it with Trent. I think he he's, I feel like Zinchenko he's trying to with
4: Zinchenko, but I just think it's very different taking a midfielder out of position and putting them at yeah. right back who hasn't played that really before. Whereas Zinchenko obviously played that a lot, it's yeah, so that's that's, that's what Arteta I mean. Was. Like
3: you've you're, you're moving a full back. An attacking fullback yeah, into yeah. midfield, whereas here you're moving a, a midfielder into a right back position yeah, and expecting and like them to move
4: inside to be in the midfield. Yeah, and I think as well yeah. leaving Gabriel out to move everybody around in the defence for whatever reason. Again, a little bit strange. I feel whether I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll be as good as last season. I didn't really think this at the start of the season. Uh, No, it's doing them a disservice to say that Man City made them look better than they were because they were very good last season. Like, you don't, you know, get the points that they got last season without being a very good team. Um, But Man City, slight drop in standards, which sounds bizarre considering they won the treble, but in terms of their points total, (laughs) I think made it look closer than it was. um... Tommy's
1: gone full pep with that statement, you know, full on shouting at them, like, drop in standard. Boys! Do better. You got
4: know, slip last season. Do better. They're like, but Pep, we won we won the treble. I don't. I don't care if you. Um... You brought
1: shame upon Man City, making Arsenal yeah. look good.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if they settle into like having again a set team like they did last season, I think they'll they'll still do very well. It'll just be interesting to see. I think how they adapt to Champions League because obviously with the Europa League, I feel like they changed quite a lot for Europa League matches and. They probably won't do the same for the Champions League, so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that squad-wise. If they can get that settled team, and if they don't, how they do without having that same kind of eleven week in, week out.
1: Daniel, any thoughts on Arsenal? Because you've already, you sort of not. I don't want to say flip-flop, because that feels like I'm starting beef with you. But last season, at one point, you were like, no, they definitely will drop off the title. Then you were like, oh, I'm getting convinced. And then you were like, nope, there it goes.
0: I think um, it's it's an interesting one with Arteta as well. I mean, it's it's so easy to look at a club like Arsenal and expect them to be sitting high up the table. But I also think you've got to look at Arteta as well. The fact that he's only been a manager for, what's this, his fourth season now, is it? I, I think he, he, he got into management just before COVID started. And then obviously he had like, that season where like no fans and no atmosphere and all that kind of stuff, which I know Hope you sell him used into the classes. Emirates.
1: There you go, Daniel. I'm taking your joke because I knew there you were we
0: gonna go. do it. No, but like So mean. I, I feel like you've got to you've got to give some credit to Arteta. Sorry Squiggy, but you've got to give some credit to Arteta. He's got as a first job as well, the fact that he's taken The reigns at Arsenal. He's doing a pretty damn good job, to be fair.
3: I never said he wasn't. I just just feel like... Like
0: I don't
3: don't disagree that he's a good manager. I I just can't stand him. I get it.
0: Believe me, I do get it. But I I, I don't know. It it seems like a slow start for Arsenal. Weirdly, okay, they haven't scored as much as West Ham, who I may have just shit on a minute ago. Oh, in that case, Um,
3: Arsenal are in trouble.
0: uh, from what I've seen of Arsenal so far and I have been watching them quite closely this season from what I've seen of them it looks like they're getting it together just tighter and tighter and tighter and I I just I you know for me easy one they've come out of the gate strong enough still easily in my top four come the end of the season I'm I'm pretty impressed with Arsenal to be fair
1: is that easy for you to say considering the last game that Arsenal played and the team we can now talk about now
0: (laughs) absolutely no that's the point so Okay, we'll move on to Manchester United against Arsenal. Or Arsenal against Manchester United. It was it was over before it started all week, and I think Val could attest to this. I was saying three one. I just I felt it was three one. Unfortunately, I got caught up on the day, and I thought maybe we could sneak a win because Manchester United do have some form against big clubs, and they can snatch a win every now and then, but. I, just, I thought it was going to be 3-1, and as soon as Rashford scored, I knew we had become Spurs. I was like, oh shit, here we go. And then, obviously, the floodgates opened. Was it Martinelli? I forget, because I was burying my head into a pillow at that point. I just couldn't I couldn't watch it. Arsenal showed kind of what they were made of in that game. They kept it together really well. They didn't look particularly flustered by the goal they had just conceded, considering they scored about 30 seconds later.
1: You, this is going to sound like a real big insult, but it did kind of like look like Arsenal like, oh, you've got a goal now. We better like show you what we can do. And then sort of just waded through and like, go. And then they were like, oh, we got time. We'll just exactly, wait.
0: Exactly that. Like I playing think, with
1: your food. And I, that exactly. sounds really insulting to Manchester United, but it was kind of that energy it was when you're watching.
0: Well, it was. Sitting as a United fan, I, I was watching it and thinking, okay, we are done for. Sitting at 1-0, I just knew that Arsenal would go on and... Finish us off because they uh, it looks like they were toying with us for the last half and, uh, well, the second half, really, it looked like they were just toying with us, so because they had that ability to do it.
1: So Man United though, Daniel, their problems deeper. <laughs> oh god you got the sancho problem you got anthony on leave for reasons
0: I mean, I yeah on. i mean i don't i don't want to speak on anthony the problem is with manchester united and where to even begin obviously the opening game was the highlight reel you'd expect against wolves man united wolves such a real a Premier League classic watch. always yeah. does what
1: it says on the tin boy you shitless
0: and it's the thing, Spurs, the next game, we just better man for man. They deserve the win. Forrest, okay, we got the win there. They stunned us with two rapid goals at the beginning. And then we went on to win three, two, despite it being a penalty that got us the win. Arsenal, yeah, you know, that was what it was. I think massive questions need to be asked of Ten Hag, and I think they will be asked of Ten Hag. His approach to transfers so far has been embarrassing. 370 million pounds spent plus. Uh, since the start of last summer. United are looking worse off than they did under Solskjaer. I think that's fair to say. Team selections, we won 0 against Arsenal. You've got no club football for a week and then you're finishing the game with fucking Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans at centre-back. Uh,
4: with Leicester's da- 2018-2019 centre-back partnership.
0: Thank you very much for that. With... But the other thing, see, that wouldn't bother me so much, but it was the fact that you have to look at wider as well. Dallow was being played out of position at left-back. I understand there are injury problems at United. I get it. There's injury problems all across the league. Most of the teams in the league don't fuck up as bad as Ten Haig hey did. In that case, if you've got issues at left-back and you're playing, a position, you're playing a player out of position, you go with a stronger centre pairing so that the... Centre pairing can help out the left back if needed. Look at what Chelsea did against Liverpool. Colewell was struggling to handle Trent and Salah. Chilwell dropped back, slotted in between him and Silva to cover any mistakes that he made, and Chelsea shored up their defence I mean, a little. Bit. I mean, start start of the game, he had his strongest available. He did, going,
4: didn't he? At Martinez and Lindelof, and then I think then he did,
0: and run it out till one all. No, they didn't get injured. That's the thing. I was look, Martinez was fine. Why did he take him off? It made no sense at all. I think Ten Hag is tactically naive. Um, he's shown it. We are playing worse football than we did under Solskjaer. I I don't know. It's the same playing style that United have had for for years. I, I spoke about this on the last episode. If you ask the same questions you've always asked, you'll get the same answers you've always got. United showed towards the end of last season, more so in the opening four fixtures this season. They've got no leadership. They're lacking players with the ability to read a game. They can only score on the break. And when they do, they leave themselves so overexposed at the back, they end up conceding. And when it comes to the goalkeeper they've got in the sticks... They've got that useless Saku who was signed on the strength of his ability to play out from the back. United don't have defenders or a midfield that can play out from the back. So why are you doing that? He's conceded eight goals in four games and he's bordering on tyre levels at this point.
1: Is anyone more positive about United or is the United fan?
3: I'm, I'm positive in, the, in that they're bad. I'm happy about it. No, I, I think basically I agree with a lot of what Daniel said from watching, from watching them play. They just they seem very... I don't want to compare it to sort of... Um, Tottenham under Conte but it feels like it's kind of fallen towards that point where you've got players that kind of don't like the manager the negative style of football and then kind of the results as well but that's kind of the impression I'm getting a little bit from there but I, I agree with the signing of oh no no I think that's a he just looks an awful keeper and yeah he, he can pass the ball but it's like putting a 15 year old in an F1 car and expect him to win the Grand Prix and it's probably not going to happen
1: I I mean I was going to say, now we can touch on another team that may be disappointing, maybe to cheer Daniel up, and I'll go to Tommy for this, but Chelsea, are you a little bit disappointed by their start?
0: No. It would
4: be hilarious if they were terrible. I I could never be disappointed in Chelsea. Uh, it's it's four games. I'm going to say they will be better than last season.
1: Have you seen enough signs that uh... I the...
4: I think so. I think probably most of the time they would have won that match against Nottingham Forest. They could have beaten Liverpool opening day of the season if they don't miss that penalty against it's west ham but i think because we're so early on in the season it looks uh, probably a lot worse than it is like if we were talking about this in 10 games time you're probably looking at them on i don't know what a good points total after 15 matches are going to be like what are they on now four what we're saying probably at least another five wins if not more you're probably looking like mid to late twenties and into the 30s i reckon i yeah it, it looks bad because we're st- there's only four games played i think the thing with chelsea is again just like the massive change that has happened again even from last season that it probably is going to take them time to become a more coherent team and they've had some injuries in pre-season start of the season reese james and kunku chukwameka things like that but similar to united it just in, in a slightly different way I just, I just the, tra- the transfer strategy is just absolutely baffling to me. Like how 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 in the space of three transfer windows do you spend almost a billion pounds and? Your strikers are Christopher Nkunku, who I know had a very good scoring record at Leipzig, but he's maybe like a lone striker. Nicholas Jackson, who's had like one season of like proper first-team top-level football. And then I guess Armando Broya, who's recovering from a bad injury and like a bunch of young players. I, I don't understand how you end up in that position when you've signed, when you've spent obviously like 300 million quid on midfielders. It's just... It's just strange. I think United have a similar problem where they bought players that they didn't really need to buy. Probably that would have been a nice to have, but not a need. And that's then probably gonna impact them because it impacts them then in who else they could get, how much they could spend, and the makeup of their squad. It's been hilarious watching them lose to Forest and only have four points. But uh, th- they will improve on that through the season. Like I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll be better than last season. Um, it's just about settling into a team, I think, for them with the amount of signs they've
1: made. Do you two agree with that? Or are you both of a different opinion that it's more of settling, time won't heal this wound? It's
0: hard to really mock Chelsea at the moment, in my opinion. I know, I, I know I've kind of knocked him in previous episodes, but, you know, when you look at the face of it, they've got a new manager, a lot of outgoings, a ton of, a of injuries. In, as, yeah, as Tommy just said, hell of an injury list, yeah, to be fair. And everything's kind of up in the air. I don't feel that obviously the money they've spent, obviously it's the way they're doing it in these kind of seven, eight year contracts that they're doing. So I feel like a lot of it is deferred payment and things like that, which still doesn't make it right or anything like that. But, I, you know, I don't think they've spent as much like in a summer window as is being labeled. It will obviously be spread across and so on and so forth. There's a big part of me that thinks that Chelsea have got a ban coming up for transfers the way it's all shaping up at the moment. But I think, yeah, on paper, They've got a fairly straight run for the next month or so. If they could pick up nine points before they meet Arsenal in October, I think it is. I think it's kind of like mid to late October. If they can get up to like, if they get nine points before then, they're going to go into that match feeling like they have a chance. I think anything could happen. The fact they don't have European football this season, again, they're kind of in a similar position to Liverpool in the fact that they don't have to worry about uh, European football. But I think Chelsea are kind of at the stage right now where Everything is kind of building and if they get it right it could be quite good for them. I think Nicholas Jackson has got some goals in him from what I've seen so far. It looks quite promising but it's just it's working out what your team is, who your team is but I, I don't think Pochettino's done that yet but we have seen in previous with Spurs that he he, he will get his team that he likes in the end. Anything 10th or above for Chelsea this season could be considered a bit of a win given how bad they were last season but I'm not ready to write them off just yet.
1: Can we talk about the other team that we probably should touch on, just regarding their surprising start? Squiggy, I'm going to come to you. Do you want? Do you want to talk about the start of the season for Eddie How's Newcastle?
3: Uh, we can talk about the first game. First game was fantastic.
1: Then what's happened?
3: It's it's slowly gone downhill. Let's be honest. Yeah, so like like first game of the season against a team that I'd predicted to to be very good this season.
1: You predicted them to get into Champions League football. You weren't bold enough. I think went top I think I, think really I put
3: them up up there or thereabouts, but and you know, we absolutely we played them off the pitch. We were the, by far the better team. And then the next three games we just we just haven't looked like we've been at it, really. I don't I don't really know why. I know obviously we've played, you know, three three good teams, but you know, Liverpool, you know, or 1-0 up that were down to 10 men. You know, really, we should be seeing out that game at home and not losing in the last 10 minutes. But yeah, it's one of them. I I think I think one of the biggest things and this has been picked up by quite a few Newcastle fans is that the the midfield doesn't seem to have a balance at the minute. So you've got Bruno places your number six, who's not really a number six, but he's doing a job. But he had that protection last season from Longstaff because Longstaff just runs and runs and runs. But we've signed Tenali. So Tanali, Joe Linden, and Bruno is our midfield three, which means that if sometimes Bruno would go forward, like he does, there's no one there to cover, and our midfield just gets opened up so easily. So that's sort of kind of the main the main thing I can take away from that. And also Almiron doesn't have a, a right foot, which is quite frustrating. But I think I think overall if you look at a sort of transfer policy as well, like you know, we've spent money, but we've not really signed players that were needed I don't think we didn't you know Tenali is a very good player but we didn't need Tenali because we needed we need a hold midfielder to sit in front of that back four didn't need a right back when we've got I think there's already another two at the club and we signed Ashby last season, who's now gone on loan to Swansea. So we really we had four right backs. We've signed another one. Didn't need to do that. We needed a left back, but we signed Paul from Chelsea, who's kind of he is a left back, but he's only turned I think he's just only turned nineteen recently. So you know he's not a he's not a ready made replacement to play at left back ahead of Dan Burn. We needed a right centre back. We've not signed one of them. We needed a right winger. We've signed a left winger, and it's just yeah, I don't know, but I, I've I've got complete faith that we'll turn it around. There's no there's no doubt about that. I just think it's a bit frustrating when you look at sort of the transfer policy we've had this year and where we are in the league and when you kind of you need a goal well, who can we bring on the pitch well no one because we haven't improved any players or signed any players to sort of improve that squad
1: just on the interest of feeling balanced does anything anyone feel a little bit more positive about Newcastle and Squiggy because I always get the impression you're harsher on your own team for Daniel's do. harsh on Man United, so I feel like I should give the floor to. Oh no, I was Cheers fucking on you. the
0: money. I was on the money with Man United, but I do I, I think maybe just a little bit harsh on Newcastle. I think obviously looking at the opening game of the season, we all predicted Villa would probably do quite well this season, and who's to say they won't? But that opening game was just an absolute demolishing. I thought Tanali played out of his skin. I he done really really well. Isaac looked good, just Wilson looked good, Harvey Barnes looked good. I, I thought the, from top to bottom, Newcastle just looked absolutely phenomenal. Moving on to the Man City game, I, I never felt that Newcastle were out of it. And the statistics back it up in terms of possession, passes, completed passes. Everything. Yeah. But just... maybe, maybe the one thing, sorry, just a quick, I think the one thing, maybe they didn't, I think they gave City just a little bit too much, maybe respect, I want to say. Um, That's that's
3: what I was going to say. We're never out of it, but we're never really in it because of the respect we give to Man City.
0: Yeah, and it was very much the same case for the Liverpool game as well. I think the only game this season where if I was a Newcastle fan, the only one I'm looking a bit disappointed is the Brighton game. Newcastle looked flat-footed all game. Brighton, you could see from the, literally from the first whistle, Brighton wanted it more. And when it kicked off, it looked like it was going to go Brighton's way. Just that's my opinion. I, I don't think the transfer window has been as bad as Squiggy be says it is. Maybe that's me being an outsider. I'm looking at Newcastle's squad and thinking, it looks pretty fucking tidy to me. I'd be happy with that if I was a Newcastle fan. It's very early days. The one thing I would say, they've played four teams so far that we all predicted to be top half of the table. So sixth or higher in Brighton, Villa, Man City, Liverpool. The results haven't gone their way, but they haven't looked shit playing the football they've played. If they keep this up, then I think there's some positivity to take out of it. My one question surrounding Newcastle is, we obviously all saw the Champions League draw come out. Newcastle got dealt the worst possible hand they could have got. Has that got into them? Are they keeping... Why on the Champions League at all times just thinking, shit, we've got this coming up?
3: I don't... It's I
0: hard don't. to be thinking like that when it's not even... Yeah. I, think, I mean, they, I think they, they, only... they played a semi-finalist from last year next week. I don't think it's too early to be thinking about it yet.
3: It's hard as well because you know the players want to play Champions League football you know like like Bruno and obviously some of the players that have played Champions League football before then the players that have never played they'll probably be thinking a little bit about it but I'd, i don't think it should affect performances too much because it's not as if it's a one off game like the league cup final was and i know that affected a lot of players because they were focusing on that a lot and if you look at our form sort of before the final and then sort of after we got over the disappointment of the final the form picked up a lot i don't think it'll be like that for the Champions League maybe maybe once the first games out way it'll pick up a little bit because it's like right we've played the game of the champions league we've heard the champions league music whatever but yeah I, I don't think it should be too much of a distraction and to be honest we're not going to be in it that long anyway i
4: think maybe the matches like either side of some of the champions league matches will be a bit iffy for newcastle but i don't think a match or before or matches before the international break when two weeks into match would have been probably play, playing on their minds too much I think again the four games they've had have been very difficult games and I'm pretty sure that they've all gone the way that the matches against those teams went last season as well like in terms of the matches that they won and lost like maybe Brighton was different not sure but I think the other ones have gone like to form for last season so it's not as if they've you know lost out horribly where they did really well last season. I think the thing with Newcastle is that I think this would be the year that they probably decide we probably need to move away from Eddie Howe and onto somebody else to keep pushing. But and they probably he's probably been doomed a little bit by finishing in the Champions League places last season. Like I think it's been it was like such a big high that this season was kind of inevitable to be a bit of a come down where they either attract some of the players they probably would have wanted to in in kind of the the scale that going to or that just like from a financial point of view. Because they're not in the revenue and selling players for, you know, 50 million plus that they can't then bring in those players for expensive amounts of money with financial fair play and stuff. But I think, again, sort of, uh, I think it's squeezed, right? It's like, again, the profile of players they've bought probably hasn't been quite right for what they need. Like some of them have probably been, this is a good opportunity. Let's buy this person. And I think they're all, maybe not found out as such, but I think they'll. This will be their Mark Hughes to Mancini kind of moment probably for them this season where we've been taken about as far as we can by this person, this person who's better is available. We're going to kind of move on.
1: Speaking of down from last season, Tommy has made me come to this to tie this up because we've been talking for a little bit and I feel that we've got to mention the three new teams coming up. They haven't done well and I know Daniel will say, no shock there, but a lot of people were tipping Burnley to do more more stuff than they have. To be honest, and be a little bit more, not as you know, doomed to the bottom of the table. I know squeegee had some views on company. I'm just wondering if they've evolved.
3: For me, no. I I still think it's all right playing that style of football, but it's not getting you results. It's it might be it might look good. You might get beaten and go, oh well, we'll play some nice football and lost, but. It's not getting your results and it's a result. worse based... than what
1: you thought, though? Because they haven't yeah. really shown nice football either, really. I don't yeah. think there's been... They, are, they of... are
3: playing... They're playing a lot worse than I expected from what I saw from them in the championship. And the fact that they've, they've conceded 11 goals as well already. Because uh, they've only played three games as well. Just conceded 11 in that. I just... I don't think... I don't know. I think. I think this also might be. Do you know when sometimes you know maybe like Eddie Howe when he's at Bournemouth and he was known as a manager that didn't know how to coach a defense and now he came to Newcastle and Newcastle had the best defense. Maybe maybe this is like the time for Company to get found out that he doesn't know how to to coach a defense. If if that makes sense, and he, needs he gets more found out that, that way.
1: Department, which would yeah. be weird because you know Vincent Company should probably know about defending him more. <laughs> Then he was, you would think, yeah,
3: you would think so. But <laughs> Lampard should know how to win games, but he didn't, did he? So
1: wow, don't know how Lampard's been brought back into this sort of podcast. Just out of nowhere, <laughs> it's because no I, I,
3: ta- I was looking at the table, and I saw Everton third bottom, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot remember oh, Lampard? Okay.
1: I thought you were going to be like putting Lampard in at Burnley, just roping out. Company and no, the, like, no, yeah, that's, like that's a lesson. steve that's
3: a Steve Bruce job if I've ever seen
1: You know what? If Steve Bruce gets that job, gets the job at Burnley at any point in the next five years, I really want you to issue an apology to the Burnley community because you've manifested it. Because be I've fair, never heard him linked to a job since leaving Newcastle. But here we are.
0: To be fair, saying that companies should know a little bit of thing about defensive stuff, Eric Ten Hake was a centre-back and he finished a game with fucking Maguire and Johnny Evans. So... I love the
1: fact that we just got to roast about. that. That's how we're <laughs> going to end, right? To sum up, the first Premier League monthly recap debate of the 23-24 season, we want to talk about what year was it, Tommy? The 2018-19 Leicester City <laughs> defensive pairing? Just to show you that football, no matter how much they tell you that it's moved on and it's going to be the greatest season ever, not...
4: War, War never <laughs> changes.
1: <laughs> exactly. That, but the Premier League with a lion roaring. That is the Premier League right now. Uh, Does anyone uh, have any hot takes they want to put out there before we sum up? Because this is the month. Because then when we come back next month, don't be telling me that you said this was going to happen and it didn't. Does anyone have anything they want to put out there into the universe? And Daniel, talking about Maguire and Evans not playing together, is, is you just got to accept it's going to happen. think
0: we're going to see Derby County's 2007-2008 <laughs> record. You're still going broken. back on
1: that. You're like, look... I, I've had I I am four I games can't... and I'm just there. Well, I am. I'm there right now. You know. It's my hottest take that the Luton are still going to turn it round and I still have faith for them to stay up, no matter what. Yeah, the start you've got, the got them getting
0: Champions League next season. Yeah, yeah, 100
1: percent That's on door, baby.
0: It's eleven points. They've got so far we've got two teams on zero points with Luton and Burnley. One of them could break it. I still
1: have faith in Luton to stay up. I think that's my hot take compared to yours. Squeaky and You're like, Tommy's. yeah, fuck Burnley. <laughs> yeah, they're done. That's
4: pretty hot take for us. That's a Pretty hot take.
1: Is it actually? Because I'm, I'm I'm, sticking with it till it becomes mathematically impossible. I don't care. <laughs> there, like... There'll be
4: like 15 points of drift at the bottom of the tail and you'll be like, they can still do it. There's still 20 games left. They can still do it.
1: Old play for boys.
4: Left. You know, they're only, you know, 10 games left. That's 30 points. They could win every match and they finish on 45 points they can still do it
1: I'm very aware that they play Fulham in the next month so by the next monthly recap they probably might have three points and I'll be like very bitter but very happy about it at the same time because I'll be like see I told you guys there's nothing to worry about or then sobbing (laughs) my hot
4: takes are all like long term hot takes I think I wouldn't be surprised if that like some point towards end of the season Eddie Howe Gets the,
3: gets the boat Pochettino sacked before the end of the season but I feel like that's not a hot take when it comes to Chelsea it, managers it really isn't days.
1: is it like no. you, Chelsea might just slip and accidentally send the email out early you know like the pre-written one for next season Like, oh shit we sent it early better call Graham back or actually sorry no I'm wrong they won't call Graham would they they'd call Frank, Frank so. yeah Lamp-
3: Lampard okay. to end the season as Chelsea manager again
1: that would be that's such that's a in hot take <laughs>
3: it it won't happen but it'd be hilarious if it did anyway leaves his job at Burnley to take over Chelsea for the last few weeks of the season
1: (laughs) because that's where he is of course anyway before this goes into weird and I feel like we're just picking on Burnley at this point by even Steve Bruce and Frank Lampard have been linked to the Burnley job by this podcast in the last 20 minutes now imagine if
3: one of them comes true though we are in the know
1: we are but also I'm so sorry anyway we've been the Football Beef Podcast make sure you like subscribe rate us 5 stars Stay tuned, there is proper beef episodes, that's right, proper beef, 100% beef, coming out soon. We're in the process of recording them, so make sure you hit subscribe and follow us at BuzzFootball on X.
2: Football Beef! <laughs> this just in from the powers that be. We have the reports of a spiffingly wonderful but slightly weird podcast with news from around the world wide web. This podcast contains amusing quips and delightful anecdotes that may just cheer up your Monday. I believe I'm getting some audio from the podcast itself.
3: I seem to have a history with mini golf because I've had a bird land on my shoulder at another mini golf course.
1: You ever thought about not playing mini golf as much or indoor mini golf? Safe.
3: I've pl- I've played indoor mini golf and I got hit in the head with a mini golf ball.
1: Like, why would you not know Andre the Giant? Like, of all the wrestlers, you
2: can't name. Or... Like, why is that guy called Andre the Giant? Funny <laughs> thing, it'd be that other guy that's huge.
3: When my wife goes out, I like to lick her salt. The Himalayan salt lamps—they <laughs> taste know know lovely. What you're
1: going with that, I'm so scared. <laughs> when my wife goes out, I
2: like to lick Himalayan salt lamps. Would not have been the Himalayan salt fill lamps. In the, yeah, yeah, in the blank. Yeah. What, ha- what happened next? I went and got an ice cream from an ice cream shop, and the man behind the counter said, oh look out for the seagulls, and I just laughed, because you know, you just kind of don't really take it all in. Anyway, I was walking along the beach, eating my ice cream, and out of bloody nowhere, the seagull swoops down and takes the head off of my ice cream, I'm left with a tiny bit of cone in my childlike hands. (laughs) That's all we can afford to reveal from the archives. If you're wanting more of this type of top-quality banter in your eardrums, then you can find them by scanning your most popular platforms, such as the Spiffing Spotify, the Aristocratic Apple Podcast, and Grandstanding Google, among many more. How exciting! So, what's the name of this podcast, you ask? Well, that's a very good question, and the answer to that question is the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. What's that? Say it again. You say it's the Totally Buzzed UK podcast. You can catch their broadcast from the early bird time of Monday at seven a.m. But not to worry if you aren't such an early bird, as you could always visit the archives when new episodes are added weekly for your listening pleasure. If you suffer from selective hearing, I shall repeat again where you can search for these archives. The following are Spiffing Spotify, Aristocratic App and Podcasts, and Grandstanding Google, among others. So if you enjoy a tickety-boo time, then adjust your streaming platforms and tune in.